where I find it's so easy to give advice online and take advice online is the things that we think we're going to get um, an immediate return on, uh, whether it's like the dopamine in our brain getting that like like button, you know, someone likes a post or whether it's an actual client lead that comes in. So we get this immediate return on our investment, whether it's a financial return or just, again, like an exciting moment. Uh, what Where we don't get the immediate return is where people don't focus. And in proven in all different marketing methods, those are the key places we need to spend our time. If you're someone who has always wanted to get consistent clients in their online service-based business without the pressure to post on social media, I made this podcast specifically for you. I'm Leslie Stevens, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the Not an Influencer show, where we chat about other organic marketing strategies that you can use to bring clients into your business quickly and easily and the tangible tips for you to move forward faster in your business and the stories of the entrepreneurs who are doing the same every single day. You do not have to be an influencer to be an impact maker and a successful I have been looking forward to this conversation, so I cannot wait. Erin, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Absolutely. So hello, everyone. I am Erin Olilla, an SEO website copywriter. And what that means is I write website copy for small to medium businesses who are looking to attract leads to their business. So we approach copy from a strategic standpoint of not just sharing a message, but also like using keywords and phrases that people are actually searching for on the internet to give them the right content, the right information so they can find what they need. And hopefully that's the clients I work with. So how did you get started in this? Oh, okay. So let's go way back in time when I was yes. a young, young little lady. Um, <laughs> so originally I worked um, starting in high school, actually, in human resources for a drug and mental health um, rehab center. And I stayed there for a very long time thinking that I was going to teach college one day. That was like the big goal, like teach writing in college. So I ended up getting my MFA, um, graduating with honors and starting my own literary journal because I was like, what the heck does one person do now? Right? Like I, I, I was an editor for my literary journal for my graduate degree and I was still working in HR with no real eye on the prize, right? Like it's very hard to become a college teacher. It's not as hard to become an adjunct, but you know, it's extremely hard work for less pay than, you know, a tenured professor. And I was just looking to figure out what to do. And then one day I stumbled upon a company that was writing blog content for medium-sized businesses to like help attract leads. And this was back in the heyday of like when personal blogging was actually kind of a thing. So I was like, okay, blogs, tell stories. <laughs> like I have a writing degree. I'm pretty verbose and chatty. Like I could put these two together and make this work. And I honestly, I was just so fortunate to work for two people who were well schooled in SEO. They had been doing it themselves for years. Um, this was actually for me in 2014. So they had really really started working early in the SEO days and trained me very well. And the reason I think I just jumped like so headfirst into SEO specifically is I kind of treated it like a game. Like, how can I gamify Google? <laughs> Which sounds so silly, but it's like, well, if I say this phrase, then we'll see like, maybe it's like intent changes. 
And that's something mm-hmm. I really love to talk about when it comes to SEO is like we we as creators or as business owners have to think about the people who are searching their intent, right? So we could write a how-to article, but if someone doesn't want to do it themselves, the how-to article, they're not gonna click on it when they see the title when they're searching. Um, And vice versa, like that flips exactly. A DIYer wants to find something like a how-to. So the long story short of Erin's trajectory from HR to literary journals to not college professor to here I am is (laughs) I luckily started working with a great group of people who kind of taught me everything that I needed to know about the technical part, like the technical SEO part. And then I was just really fortunate to have that graduate degree in writing that I could kind of marry them together. And what are we, eight years, nine years now since that first started? And um, it's really been great. SEO has changed so much and it will continue to change so much. Um, Just recently uh, at the time of recording, Instagram actually mentioned that they're changing some of their strategy away from hashtags and now into a more SEO driven strategy. So it's something that I think is going to integrate in many different marketing tools, not just websites, not just blog content. Um, And I especially think with the way the economy is changing, it's such a great thing to invest in like right now. So you can kind of build on it and and get that um, future benefits of doing SEO stuff now. Yeah. And SEO is something that people don't really look at as a marketing strategy. Like yeah. they think, okay, I'm going to do social media. I'm going to get my posts out. I'm going to have my website. I'm going to do my email list, but you're missing a huge chunk. And it's yeah. like what you said, it's like kind of gamifying Google. So if you yeah. know, if you know the right thing to say, mm-hmm. and that's so important because even like as a business owner, we're in our head. We know what we do. We know what we want to say. We know how we can help you. But if we're not saying the right thing, and if we're not thinking about it from the other person's perspective, the potential customer, the potential lead, we're not thinking about it from their perspective, they're not going to be coming into our business because they won't be able to find us. Yeah. So if you could, well, first, how did you get your first clients doing SEO? Yeah, well, actually, this is kind of a somewhat fun story. Um, remember, I was working as a managing editor for this company that, that created blog content. Tiny team, really fun, artsy atmosphere. And I ended up having a baby. I had just gotten married when I first started working there. Got pregnant shortly after. Was on maternity leave. And a company found me and said, I loved this blog you wrote would you be interested in doing some freelance? So I call my boss and I'm like, is this a problem? Like, it's just like one article a month. Like, are you okay with this? And she's like, oh my gosh, sure, go for it. Um, And that was my first like dip my toe into writing and working for myself. And then shortly after that, I... um, when I was working for this medium, the, the blog company, we actually had our own office blog written from the perspective of our office dog. I was the writer, I'll be honest, but it was it was the, the office dog's blog. And part of it was a lead generation tool for us to show like what we were capable of, um, a case study to see what worked, what didn't. Uh, that was by far the best job I have ever had. Like this one portion of it to like sit down and talk about like, like 
dog poop and Frito feet or like from the perspective of a puppy. It was cool. Um, but someone had found that and that ended up leading to, um, a, a very well-known um, dog food company that I still write for today. So it's the tiniest things of like me putting myself out there or me trying new things was what people, you know, getting my first freelance clients was from that. Um, and then honestly, it just was word of mouth. You know, I think that not just me specifically, but I think that when you do really good work and you have great um, customer experience. And even if the customer is like an editor, like in my case, when you work well and you like put a lot of effort into things, it's so easy to become referable. And I think that's kind of what really helped me kickstart my entire career. Amazing. Yeah. When you focus more on like the inside of your work, making it really, really good instead of only like what you did, you're projecting that out to the world. But a lot of people spend a lot of time on the outside in their marketing to try and bring in those leads, but then their program might not be of the highest quality, or you may be able yeah. to refine something in the customer experience, something like that. But when you focus on that stuff first, when you give the people who are already working with you, like an incredible experience or like an extremely well-written blog, things like that, it makes it easier for you yeah. to build on that. And people will refer you, people will be excited to work with you, all of those things. So with your SEO and your copywriting, what do you focus on to help bring leads into people's businesses? Oh, this is a good question. And I feel like I could go a couple of different routes. So bear with me. I promise if I like switch paths a little, it's Let's going go to all adventure. make sense. <laughs> um, so I, there, first, I always try to remind people that there are two kind of different groups of SEO that when it comes to websites specifically, we should be focusing on. One's copy and one's content. Um, for a long time, I wasn't under the belief that for most, especially small businesses, the there was a huge effort that should be put into the copy side because when we look at a standard small business website, you have average five to seven pages. And on those pages are only a few hundred words. And that's honestly what you want them to be unless they are a sales page. We want to be as clear and direct as possible with our clients so they can easily move throughout the site in like an actual journey process or have their question answered. Um, but I have kind of transitioned because I found that there are like phrases that people are actually searching for. I like to call them the job description phrases. Uh, for me, as an example, it could be like SEO website copywriter or something else that I do is like I do copyright um, copy coaching with my clients. So like people who want to DIY, but they really want to pull someone in for like editing or just strategy. So when I started to do the keyword research on that, I recognize when it comes to those more job title or job description things, there is usually potential to rank. The second group, though, is content. Um, content's so much easier to explain and I think understand because, again, earlier I talked about the DIYers versus the done-for-me people. Now, the DIYers, let's say they want to learn about email marketing and maybe their question is about like ConvertKit specifically. So they could say like how to set up automations in ConvertKit. Well, if you are an email tech person and you're creating blog content that answers that question and similar questions, you're going to get the right people in the door, which is the number one thing you have to do. You want to repel the wrong people and you want to attract the right people. Um, but once you get them in the door, again, we have to think about intent and, and buying decisions. So even though they're DIYers, that does not mean they're not potential clients. 
now or in the future. Um, but it, I think it's knowing your clients well enough to know whether you present them more content so they can begin to really grow that trust and like and know you, or you present them with an opportunity for a smaller price um, purchase to work with you. Again, if the opposite perspective, if they're the done for you people, it's giving them the information that helps them make a buying decision. So they're already likely aware. They're already likely ready to purchase. They just need to know they're buying from the right person or they need to see that that transformation that they want is available to them. So when it comes to SEO in general, I always just say, like, look at those two buckets of copy versus content and then from there, you can make your decisions of what to create. So a lot of people think just straight blogs as the like how-to guides, but I always really recommend people consider things like um, podcast show notes as an example. We're on a podcast right now. And even if you were to be a podcast host that had um, like a layout that was more like bullet point, there's still a lot of opportunities for keywords in a post like that compared to an average blog post. Um, same thing for YouTube. And also my favorite way to do this is with case studies, like client case studies that you've worked with. Because when you show a case study, you are showing um, the social proof. You're showing that win that people can get because someone else has already gotten that win from you. So you're impressing them with your knowledge, with your expertise, with how you've helped another person. And you're using the SEO phrases that are getting them in the door for that exact same need, right? So if you love to work with someone, let's say maybe you're um, a landscaper. And one thing that you love to do is like... Um, I, this sounds crazy, but like holiday scenes. So like you help people decorate the outside of their house and you're starting to like create case studies on um, previous years, whether it's Christmas, Easter, um, St. Patrick's Day, let's throw a random holiday in there, right? <laughs> um, you're going to have images in there. So people are going to see your visual work. You're going to explain why it's important. Um, for example, the homeowner might be busy. They might not have the skills. They might not want to have the storage space to store the outside decorations, right? So it allows the consumer to really put themselves in the the eyes and the shoes of the person who's done it. And that really makes it easier for them to say, okay, yeah, I'll hire this person to do the very same thing for me. So there are many use cases for SEO. And I really just love to kind of have people think outside of the box to say like, oh, it doesn't have to just be a blog post. I don't have to just inform. I can share things in my business, ways that I've worked with other clients, um, or even potentially ways that they themselves have kind of been a case study. Like maybe they've gone through a particular course and they want to talk about their experience within that course. Well, if the person they're learning from, for example, is like a big name in their field, that could be a great SEO case study to use on their website. So Hopefully that answered your question, but oh, really, I just think that you can use SEO anywhere um, and there's just so many potentials. So I like to recommend people just try it out, like see what you like to write, um, see what performs well with your current audience and then see how it grows with an audience you don't even know exists at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I know when I was starting my, my second third businesses, I was talking to different types of people. So for my online marketing course, I talked to people in their first one to three years of business. But for my branding website, I'm 
my branding business, I'm really talking to people who have been in business five plus years. Right. So when it came down to SEO and attracting the right people, I needed to be saying two completely different things because those yeah. people in their first one to three years, they're DIYing a lot of stuff. People five plus years into their business, they want things done for them. They want mm -hmm. it done quickly and at the highest quality that they could get. So I needed to be very clear and specific on who I talked to and how I was communicating with them. And SEO was that differentiator because yeah. if I were marketing my branding to these people in their first one to three years, they're like, I can't make that investment. I'm not right. clear on exactly what I'm doing yet. All of those things, I wouldn't have any clients. And right. it's, it's getting clarity on those things. And SEO can actually start allowing you to think clearer about those things and think yeah, and clearer it, about your communication. And it gives you data, right? Like, I think this is something that often doesn't get discussed. We talk about how the benefits, but we don't talk about like the decision-making data that we get. So um, you had said earlier, like we kind of have blinders on for our own business in the sense that we know it so well that we expect other people to kind of have the same knowledge base that we do. And I think SEO has been helpful for me to um, prove theories wrong or to build upon theories that have you know, I've thought well, this might work, right? Like, why don't we try this angle on things? Because when, when you look at, um, data analytics, it can be very overwhelming, especially for the average person who doesn't play around in something like Google analytics or the new, um, GA4, you're looking at all this data and you're thinking, okay, so I know the potential age. I know like some browsing data, but what does this mean? But I think that when you start to understand the data and you the, the key thing first is figuring out what question you have, like what answer do you need? Then you go look at data that the, like the SEO data gives you. And when you can answer these business questions that you have, you then have this whole picture of how to make decisions. And what I mean is, should we invest in Google ads? A lot of my clients, you know, especially the, the people who have been in business longer, they'll get that brand new website. They'll work with me, a designer, and they'll be like, okay, I just invested a ton of money. This is great. What's the next step? And they'll say like, maybe I'll do Facebook ads. Maybe I'll do Google ads. And my question, not that I'm a Debbie Downer. I think if anyone knows me, they know I'm like, you know, sunshine and butterflies. But my question is why, right? Like just because you may feel a little more confident in your branding does not mean you need to spend more money. What we can do though, is look at this, the data points that we have and make that decision. Should I invest in this? If so, what type of campaigns? For how long? Because when we start to see how people are utilizing our site, how they're getting to our site, we can then say, oh, okay, so this strategy is working so well. Let's throw some money behind it. Or, wow, I really thought this was going to work and it's not really doing what I thought it would. So how do we kind of go back to square one? potentially use the same keywords, potentially adjust whatever the case is, but make those strides to make changes so we get more data to make decisions easier. So SEO, yes, can have that lead attraction and be something that's fun to play with and see kind of what happens in our business. But I think it can also help us make business decisions. Um, and I think any small business, medium business owner knows when you're at the top of the business, the CEO, the solopreneur, there are so many decisions you need to make. And myself included, I am 
overwhelmed. I've been in business for six years. Like I mentioned, I'm also a mom. I have kids at home with me. I have house problems, right? Like, should I like tear down my trees? I don't know. Then I sit down at my computer and I'm like, decision after decision after decision. And not necessarily just from SEO, but data itself makes the decision-making process so much easier because you could just look at it and instead of having to make a gut reaction, instead of having to think like, how will this help me long-term? You can say, this is clearly right. This is clearly mm -hmm. wrong because data doesn't lie and there's no emotion behind data. So nice long rant for you, but I really do think there's a beauty in SEO that we should look at besides just leads, but when it comes to making our jobs easier. Yeah. And data is essential with any part of your business, especially when it comes to lead generation and bringing clients in. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because you want to double down on what's working, not just what we assume is going to work. And that's actually a process that I take every one of my clients through my marketing course. I give them 10 different options, sometimes more depending on their strengths to try and collect the data on. And everybody's business is different. Everybody's strengths are different. So they try out these marketing methods. And then we look at the data. We double down on what's working. We make changes to what's not working. Or maybe they don't need all of them. We start with three. We don't do all 10. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> but you start with three, you look at the data, you double down on what's working, and it saves you so much energy and effort, so mm -hmm. much in the long run. So you're not just throwing every marketing method at the wall and hoping that it sticks. Yeah, yeah totally. And earlier on, you had said something that really stuck out in my mind about how like, you know, while there is a reason to use social, to use email and all these things, a lot of people like um, have the urgency to do those. We learn in this like big bad online marketing world that we have to like show up and be present and be visible. And that's not wrong. However, where I find it's so easy to give advice online and take advice online is the things that we think we're going to get um, an immediate return on, uh, whether it's like the dopamine in our brain getting that like like button, you know, if someone likes a post or whether it's an actual client lead that comes in. So we get this immediate return on our investment, whether it's a financial return or just, again, like an exciting moment. Uh, what Where we don't get the immediate return is where people don't focus. And in proven in all different marketing methods, those are the key places we need to spend our time. So I have a testimonials course. And part of what I drive home with test in the beginning, before anyone even starts, is there's no urgency here. And that's why you're not taking action. You're sitting at home probably being like, oh, gosh, I forgot to ask so-and-so for a testimonial or like, I don't have any good testimonials. All my testimonials just say something like, Erin is really cool, right? But people don't take action because they don't feel that urgency. There's nothing that's driving them that they can see, well, if I don't change this testimonial, I, like, I'll still get clients. Like, people will still be interested. But imagine then if you're actually, actually able to get a testimonial with data, right? Like a client saying they have X number of dollars after their launch um, increased or like a percentage of their business change. Everyone loves those testimonials. And they don't have to be the be-all, end-all of testimonials. But we all know as consumers, when we see something like that, we're like, wow, that's impressive, right? So 
while there is not an immediate urgency around something like testimonials, for example, if we can look at the long-term perspective of how it can better our business and recognize that we don't need urgency to make good changes, that's how I think we know we're, we're doing the right marketing steps. And that exact same thing goes back to SEO. Everyone wants the benefits of SEO. No one wants to wait six or nine months to start to see how Google is indexing and recommending the, the content we're creating. And I'm not picking uh, anyone because I also will like write a, a show notes for my podcast and be like, oh, yeah, that'll be like total viral tomorrow. And I'm like, no, it's not, Erin, because you know well enough that's not how it works. But I think that I try to remind myself even in my own business, even though I do this for clients, like you need to work on the things you don't see the immediate return on. And those have always, time and time again, proven themselves to me to be the main drivers of my finances in my business. Client referrals, um, testimonials, website changes, SEO. Those are the ways that I personally have brought in the highest amount of money. And not that you always have to look for a financial reward, but I think we have to make a lot of marketing decisions and there's so much noise out there. So of course be on social, of course be like emailing. Email has a great return on investment, but those are the things that I think we just get those, um, the initial response from. So it's easy to stay current with. And I, I like to remind people it's, it's good to do the work where you're not getting that immediate result because that, that's going to be a long-term result for you. Mm -hmm. You want to focus on those things that are giving you, I would say, both. You want to yeah. focus on the things that are going to give you the long-term success and those short little quick wins. That's why sure. people do launches, but they also have marketing in the background that's running long-term. Like you said, SEO, like things that work for them long-term. Because if you just focus on the things that are quick wins, then your business will just be full of, of quick potential wins. quick wins. Yeah. And that is potential. But if you want to be in business for a long time, you have to focus on that foundation. And I always think the foundation is that long-term development. Yeah. So like we were in school forever growing up yeah. in our lives because <laughs> you need to take those steps so that we know what we know when we grow up. Business is kind of the same way. You need to lay down that foundation first, make it sturdy, and then you can build and you can outsource quick wins and you can like, you can do all of these really fun things with business, but the long-term is what's going to keep you in business long-term. Yeah. Agreed. And I, you know, I can point my fingers at myself. One thing marketing wise that I have failed at time and time again is, um, becoming too, um, used to referrals, right? So like you have a great referral base, they keep referring. Well, eventually the referral base dries up. That doesn't mean you're not a good, like whatever service provider or business owner you are. It just means things naturally happen. People maybe forget to talk about you or um, maybe the people that they're friendly with are not needing your services. So that's a long-term thing. If you think about that, because that's me investing in like client relationships, right? And investing in former clients. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on like, there has to be a balance, right? We have to look at the longer term things and balance them with shorter term actions. Um, but it's so easy to get like um, sucked into those quick wins that it's like, yeah, okay. We need to 
check this out. Like maybe it's great. Like at the end of the year, the middle of the year to do like an audit on like, what is working and what do you just do because you think you should be doing, but it's not actually working for your business. Yeah, definitely. So important. I've done that yeah. many times and I've pulled myself back and I'm like, okay, that, that was maybe fun. It was a lot of work, but did I get my return on it? No. So yeah. what did I actually get my return on? Okay. That's, and that's what being an entrepreneur is all about. Like you yeah. have to constantly be looking at what's working, what's not working, adjust, learn, have fun with it. Like SEO is changing all the time. And I bet mm. that is a really fun part of your job. And it's like it the market is always changing all the time. And I think that's a ton of fun being an entrepreneur. It's like, cool, we can do different things to yeah. help different types of people. So if you have three tips for sure. anyone getting started with SEO in their business, what would you recommend them do? Um, first, I would say do a brain dump of the things that you feel like you're um, an expert on, intelligent on, something that you could rant on and on about. And the reason I like to like phrase it as a brain dump is I think that, again, as business owners, there is a set of blinders where we assume our audience knows the same level of things that we do, which is usually very often not the case. They might have an idea, like, you know, my clients might know what SEO is, but not necessarily like the strategy or not necessarily like the things that influence the choices that we make when we do campaigns. So I would say get all of those ideas out on the page and look for patterns. So step number one is just ideate and look for patterns. Um, step number two is to audit what you've currently done. So it could be as simple as hiring someone for a quick SEO audit or purchasing a tool like, you know, maybe a month of a, an SEO tool or, um, a, a tool that's like a lifetime plan that gives you the opportunity to get a snapshot of the technical SEO things happening. Cause there are so many small things that we don't recognize going that Google is judging us on. For example, how long um, does it take for your page to load? Are the images that you have on your site optimized because that's slowing down your site. So those little key factors that you can get from an SEO report can help you make what seems like super tiny changes, but those tiny changes really influence um, how kindly the Google gods shine their light on you, <laughs> which sounds silly, but it is true. Um, so you've ideated, you've updated the little tech problems, and then it's really testing. And I know that's not the funnest answer. You know, people want people want me to say like, oh gosh, I thought she was going to say some like genius thing that no one's ever said about SEO right here. But I say, Find a keyword or keyword phrase that is somewhat similar and create two pieces of content, different pieces of content, but about um, the same phrase. So here's an example. One of the pages on my website is about how I do copy coaching. So I have a page about copy coaching and then a, a blog post about being a I think it's copywriting coach maybe because I wanted to see like the, the amount of searches per month were similar, the amount of competition. Uh, and that's like how many pages on the internet that are saying similar things. They were pretty similar. So I wanted to learn more about intent. Like what do people want to know? Are they trying to figure out what, what a copywriting coach does or are they, already aware enough of that and they want to make a purchasing decision that they'd go to the actual page. Um, 
still in testing mode, so I guess I'll have to update you on how that's going. <laughs> but both of them turned out to do pretty well. So I always say, if you can test something tiny like that, you can build on it, whether it's that particular same terms, or start to use other terms based on the information you're getting. So clean up the, the tech stuff, ideate on the things that you have, and then just test two small similar terms to see how it, how it really um, helps your business and how it grows the actual leads that you have. Yeah. And those simple, like they are essentially simple little changes that you're making yeah. just by getting the data, yeah. just by testing and trying and figuring out what people really want to know instead of just making these assumptions that's so important. Those small changes can make a huge difference in huge. bringing in leads to your business. And I know this is probably the sexiest episode ever made <laughs> talking about data and long-term marketing strategies. I am so thrilled to be part of that. <laughs> <laughs> but it really, like, it is that foundational element that you can yeah. allow your business to really grow and thrive on. So yeah. thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Can oh my you gosh, you're tell everyone where that they can hang out with you. Oh my God. Yes. Come and hang out with me, everyone. <laughs> um, so you can find me on the internet just on my name. So that's again, Erin Olilla. And I like to joke here because I, for a long time after I married my husband, I was like, wow, I thought it would be easier like to move away from my maiden name and get married, but it's complicated. No one knows how to spell it. But here's the beauty of SEO. Google and I are friends now. They know who I am, right? So even though my last name's tricky to spell, if you put my name in the internet and you misspell it, Google will tell you. Like it'll just it's like a street sign, the GPS that says, "Oh, you don't want like O L I L A, right? You want O L L I L A. Here she is, everyone. Um, so the beauty of SEO is not just the leads and stuff. It's when people misspell your business name, or maybe they give you a different business name that's just slightly off. If Google knows you, they're going to send them to the right place. So that's it. Find me on my website. But if you are <laughs> listening to the podcast now, um, I also have a podcast. Come and hop on over after you binge a few more of Leslie's episodes. The podcast is called Talk Copy to Me. And it is for small to medium businesses who are um, looking to learn more about marketing, whether they want to DIY or whether they want to hire it out and just have a good understanding of what it is they're paying for. We love to talk about things like copywriting, SEO, how to like speak to the right people, voice of customer research. So it is just as sexy of an episode as this one. And I highly recommend <laughs> you come and visit us. And I will grab the link from her so you guys can just hop right over and listen to her podcast as well. Again, thank you so much for everything, Erin. Thank you for having me. If you want to learn more about different marketing strategies to bring consistent clients into your business without feeling the pressure to post on social media, make sure you watch the free training on the client connection method, which is in the description below. Thanks for hanging out with us today.